0: Usually, this liquor has an alcohol by volume percentage of about 38 to 63 percent now my question for you is what is the highest percentage alcohol of any gaoliang in the world
1: 90 percent
0: 90 percent okay 85 85 percent all right let's all right let's have a look at the answer
1: Oh wow, oh wow, that's really high
0: And this is made by Jiloe Wei Distillery, which is located right here in Taiwan
1: Wow, well that's very interesting, Andrew, and that is Taiwan by Number for the week
2: What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What
1: is he curious about today?
2: Few foreigners know Taiwan's tea quite like Andy Kinkar does. Over the course of 30 years, it's become his calling— Today, his company, Ecocha, uncovers the best teas Taiwan has to offer and brings them to discerning palates across the world. Over the next two weeks, he'll be joining us for an introductory taste of Taiwan's tea and its thriving tea culture. We'll also hear the story of how he fell in love with Taiwanese tea and take a look at his company's work to promote tea that is sustainable. What factors make Taiwan especially well-suited for growing tea? Do we have something special in our soil or the climate?
3: It's said that the climate is quite conducive. In contrast to mainland China, where most of the tea-growing regions are far from the coast, Taiwan is an island, obviously, and the tea growing regions are within a fairly close distance to the ocean, which provides a, sig- a significant change in temperature between day and night and the presence of daily fog. So typically in the, especially in the higher elevations, there's sun through the morning hours and then almost every afternoon fog rolls in and provides moisture and drops the temperature significantly. These conditions are ideal for producing leaves that grow slowly enough to allow them to have a constituency that is more rich and substantial than if they were in a hotter climate where the leaves are growing fast and are exposed to sunlight all day.
2: Now, we talk about Taiwanese tea, but actually there are many different varieties. One of the most famous that I think most people who, if they've heard of Taiwanese tea, would know of is oolong tea. But what are some of the other more famous varieties of tea Taiwan produces, and what are their special characteristics?
3: When you use the word variety, we can take it in a few different ways. We can use it as a general distinction between the tea types, such as green tea, oolong tea, and black tea. In Taiwan, those would be the three most basic categories of tea. And those categories are separated based on their processing methods, namely the level of oxidation. Green tea is fully unoxidized. Black tea on the other side of the spectrum is fully oxidized. Lung is most commonly used to refer to partially oxidized tea. And as you can imagine, on a spectrum between green and black, that can be anywhere from 5% oxidized all the way up to 90% oxidized, which provides a very wide spectrum and a large variety of tea types within the Oolong category. Taiwan does have green tea that's quite famous up in the Taipei area. The Sanxia district is a historical tea growing region, and they produce a type of tea called Dilotsu and that's a direct descendant from mainland China. It was one of the, quote, tribute teas to the emperor. Close to that is another tea grown in the Taipei area called Wenshan Baozhong, and that has been produced in the area north of Taipei for well over 100 years. Beyond that, we get into the large oolong category, but on the other side of the spectrum, black tea. Sun Moon Lake is famous for producing black tea, and that also has its historical roots in the Japanese occupation the era that Japan was here, and they developed a black tea industry in an attempt to follow the example set by England developing tea production in India. One of the main objectives, uh, at least in terms of agriculture, that the Japanese had uh, was large-scale black tea production. Taiwan has its own special black tea type. It's called ruby red, or the direct translation would be red jade. Taiwan's Department of Agriculture has a branch called the Tea Research and Extension Station. And they've done a lot in terms of developing tea production in Taiwan since post-World War II or since the KMT came to Taiwan. So ruby or red jade is a very distinctive black tea. It was bred and then registered by the Tea Research and Extension Station. And it is one of the teas that Taiwan is renowned for. It's a cultivar of a tea plant, but it's used Exclusively to make
2: black tea. Now, you mentioned cultivars, but uh, is, is the only difference between these varieties of tea processing, or are different species or cultivars used in their production?
3: Okay, so this is fairly complicated, but I actually <laughs> have given a presentation to make it as simple as possible oh, in terms of, to make sen- some sense of the names of tea that come from Taiwan. Okay, And basically, it breaks down into cultivars, the strains of the tea plant. That's one influencing factor in terms of where the name of the tea comes from. The second category is the region, is the region the tea is produced, and the third is processing method. So some teas, their name comes from the, the way the tea is made. For example, Muja Tieguanyin. Muja is a district in Taipei, and Guan Yin, or Iron Goddess of Mercy is a name given to a tea. If it's called traditional thie, traditional Tieguanyin, then it's based on its processing method. However there is a strain of tea called Tieguanyin, guanyin, a cultivar that uses that same name. And you can make Tieguanyin guanyin style tea from any strain of tea, from any area, if you make it in the methods used from mu cha. Often those three factors are mixed together. A bit blurry. <laughs> to be a little, uh, to, get, uh, to get a little bit more simple, some names of tea are directly representing the cultivar. The third category is regional origin. And this is most commonly used for what is called high mountain tea in Taiwan. High mountain tea is lightly oxidized unroasted tea. If it's proper high mountain tea, it also comes from any area where the elevation is 1000 meters or more. In that category of high mountain tea, most of the names are directly representing their place of origin.
2: How do Taiwanese people traditionally appreciate tea? Can you tell us something about the traditional art of what's called gongfu
3: cha? In my perception, gongfu cha is a method of tea brewing that is quite scientific or logical, so to speak. It's based on using a small teapot with a high concentration of tea leaves and brewing for short intervals. So you're using a high a high higher ratio. For example, I recommend one gram of to 15 milliliters of water you're getting the most in terms of extracting the most substantial constituents from the tea and you're also able to appreciate the subtle flavors from one brew to the next. So, with Gongfu brewing method, you can brew several infusions from the same pot of tea, and the flavor quality will vary as you go, as you go. Most commonly, people will say that the second or third brew are the kind of peak in terms of producing the best flavored tea, but there's just a process of the flavor subtly changing with each brew. And that's part of the appreciation for what any particular type of tea can offer. In addition to the method being a scientific method to produce the best flavor, it's also very much so involved in the social ritual, as I've called it, which is basically just sitting down and slowly brewing tea with friends or family and having something to do while you're hanging out talking. It is a ritual to an extent. There's a flow of movement and it can be graceful depending on who is brewing the tea and how much attention they're putting into it. Part of my appreciation for Gong Fu Cha or the art of tea in Taiwan is that it's quite natural. It's relaxed. It's not formal. It can be Formal in terms of a performance, there are tea brewing competitions now, and there's a lot of attention put into the gracefulness of movement and such. However, on the day-to-day daily lifestyle, it's just a method of brewing that people can more or less make into an art. And traditionally, I think it's strictly just a method of brewing. Now, in the last 20 years or so especially, there's been a renaissance of some of the historical and traditional arts from classic China. Uh, using, you know, styles of pottery from different dynasties in the past. That's all being integrated into the art of tea these days. And it also embodies or includes themes from Chan Buddhism, or if we use the Japanese pronunciation, Zen Buddhism. So a very simple, nature-based kind of philosophy, you might say. If it's slightly more formal or more of a performance, people will put effort and intention into perhaps a, a theme, like a seasonal change or a particular element of nature, and they'll arrange their table to subtly but significantly represent that theme.
2: It was while studying in Taiwan 30 years ago that Andy was first introduced to this rich world of tea. Next week, Andy will be back with us to tell us about how this introduction changed his life and how he he turned his love of tea into a career.
1: Stroke of of Light A Portrait of Taiwan Through the Eyes of Painters, Sculptors, Filmmakers and Photographers
4: Hello and welcome back to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. In the last month or so, we have been having this very in-depth conversation with Mr. Robert John, a Singaporean photographer whose work is currently on exhibition here in Taipei City. Mr. John has been capturing images of this very interesting phenomenon of outside species, mostly brought along by human activities and migration, that overtake and uh, eventually encroach on the living habitat of indigenous species. In our conversation, Mr. John has talked about the back, talk about the background of his research, the reason that he has shifted his attention from Singapore to Taiwan, and some of the very let's say questionable choices of scientists uh, who choose to call a species just to keep another one keep another one safe and pure. He also talked about the uh, aesthetic choices that he's made while crafting his photos in this final episode, we'll wrap up uh, this conversation with him and see what he has planned moving forward.
5: It's really to present my, my position of it. Position of it. It's, it's one that is of control and of violence, but at the same time, it's uncomfortable to look at, but it's something we are doing, but at the same time, we should question it. So I, I, I made all these um, colour choices really to kind of... Uh, to maintain uh, the, the way that we can look at it, you know, because if, if I don't, then it will uh the, immediately the image the, the 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 reality of we are staring at a bottle of lizards comes through very quickly. Right. And it's and it's really un, un you, you, I think for most people it's really uncomfortable. It, it's it's too much. I bet it's upsetting, right? It's super upsetting and or, or just like frogs in the back. Uh, so so with 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 these glazings um um it, it becomes a bit harder to see. But at the same time, if you, I think if you look long enough, you realize actually what is it. Right. That I think that the truth of the image comes in a bit. Uh, it's not immediate, but it comes in a bit later. A bit later.
6: Right. Yeah. In a, in a somewhat indirect manner. Yeah. I can clearly tell us a bunch of frogs. But, yeah. but yeah, the the pink tint makes it makes it a bit sort of difficult to, to perceive immediately. Yeah. So that's where the choice comes from. Yeah. To dampen the impact.
5: To dampen the impact. Also to lengthen the consumption time of something that of something that is so violent.
6: Yeah. You, you want people to look more intently for longer.
5: Yeah. Slowly actually more slowly. Right. Yeah. Um, actually the images they all look like um like a documentary image where I just snap hmm. and I give it to you. But actually a lot of them are composites of several images. Not all, but some of them are composite just to... It's, it's, um, I work in like I have an image that I want to create, so I may take a few images and compose it like almost like a,
6: a, a story, oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm. um, that sounds fascinating. Um, do you have plans to, ta- to take this project further? Is this an ongoing project? ongoing project, I guess. Uh, or, 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 like, if, if it is still ongoing, what are your plans moving forward with with your project, with your research?
5: Uh, actually, I'm very fortunate as an artist uh, uh, because of the last biennial, I got here to look at the situation of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, the, the 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 work, as my work, just kind of expands with each different place that I get to exhibit in. Okay. Yeah. So so right now. At least, I think in the next few years, I'll still be looking at all these interactions of uh, control in yeah. Taiwan. Uh, no, I think I'm Taiwan, I'm, I'm done with oh, Taiwan, right. so I'll, I'll, I'll see if um, if I have other opportunities in other countries. Then I'll look at how um, different countries kind of handle it, how different stories, there are different stories
6: right. in different countries. Yeah, that would be a fascinating sort of a global view. If
5: you
6: can yeah, do it in not just different countries but different regions of the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be quite valuable. So, yeah, uh, thank, uh, thank you for your time, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was a fascinating talk. Yeah, uh, uh, is there anything I didn't touch on that you want to add?
5: Um... Uh, yeah. So the the images from the exhibition come from both Singapore and Taiwan, mm-hmm. because. A lot of times, the same animals can be found, I mean, in Singapore and Taiwan, but how these animals are reacted to or how we react to them uh, are very different because of the context that they find themselves in. I bet. Yeah.
4: Thank you for listening to our conversation in this miniseries. I hope you've gotten as much as uh, I have because I found this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. For Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chan, and next week we'll begin our coverage on a whole new art exhibition.
0: Together already. It's time to feast. Feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West.
7: Welcome. 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 Hello, welcome to The Feast. This is Ellen Chu.
0: This is Andrew Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, so uh, by now you've probably heard that it's not a good idea to eat bird's nest soup. Mm-hmm. And that's because and that's because it's bad for the birds. Yes. Uh and back in 2013 they actually banned them at state banquets in China because they're too expensive and too ostentatious. Mm-hmm. In today's feast. We're uh also going to be avoiding birds' nest soup. Um, but because it is our vegetarian month we're gonna serve up a vegan alternative to it.
7: A vegan alternative?
0: Yeah.
7: Wow. Have you seen
0: bird's nest served at banquets before? Is that something that's pretty common still? Or do you think that that's kind of declined in popularity?
7: Um, I think they use other things to replace it, I think, Mm -hmm. nowadays. Because they still call it bird nest, but... Mm -hmm. I think they say it's a vegetarian.
0: A vegetarian one. Or right, like but maybe they still
7: a- call it a bird nest.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. interesting.
7: Interesting, right?
0: Yes. And then
7: they put like soup.
0: Su, right, so they put like vegetarian, right. the, the character for vegetarian right. in there.
7: So you know they must have replaced it.
0: With something. Right. Something interesting.
7: Because they usually do yin wu,
0: mm-hmm. right?
7: But I know there are still places like, you know, when, I'm, when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. people still buy bird nests for me.
0: Actually, if you go to like the, the traditional street, the hua in Taipei, a lot of those um, shops selling traditional Chinese medicine, right. they will have... Bird's nest nest there there. Yeah
7: Yeah Actually I also You know Followed Followed some uh, Filipino In El Nido Island Mm -hmm. You know They went out And took us On bird nest hunting
0: Really Mm -hmm. So you went to see How they do it And how they They get Mm -hmm. the bird nests Right well, we're going to be talking all about that. We're going to tell you how bird's nests
8: mm-hmm.
7: are
0: harvested, how they come about,
8: okay. what
0: it, what is inside it, technically, mm-hmm. and why it can be a little bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to be sampling a very unusual, a very interesting ingredient that some people call
7: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: the vegan bird's nest. Mm. It is a very interesting ingredient uh, that we'll be uh, having, uh, having a little bit later on in our show.
7: Definitely.
0: So. So, we go into our menu. Let's
7: do it. Let's
0: check it out. Mm -hmm. All right, so, in our first course, we're going to tell you what makes bird's nest soup so expensive Mm -hmm. and why it's bad for the birds.
7: Okay, so why is it bad for the bird, right?
0: Yep, in our second course... We
7: are going to sample a vegan version vegan version of bird nest soup make from a black tree fungus, yes.
0: Yes, in our third and final course, I'm going to quiz you, Ellen, about your knowledge about that, what they call haymoor, Oh. or they, sometimes they call it wood... Ear mm-hmm. fungus.
7: Oh, okay. Yeah. I know something about it.
0: What do you know about Hamour? Hey
7: I won't tell you. Quiz me.
8: <laughs> okay.
7: All
0: right. That is an excellent retort. We're going to okay. go into a song called Bird's Nest. Wah. Mm-hmm. This is by Su Da Lu. Su yes. Green. So
7: check. Check it
1: out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 我让身影逐飞 想知道谁会心碎, 我也交易沉醉, I like I First course Alright, so, right,
0: so So... I will never serve you actual bird's nest in our show Ellen Chu mm-hmm. just because it's not a super nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to talk about bird's nest and what it's made of and some of the traditions behind it yes. because I think a lot of people have heard it but they may not know the specifics about Well,
7: if bird's it's nest. true bird nest, it's very expensive because it's very hard to acquire. Mm. Very dangerous, too.
0: Very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us what it is, Alan Chu?
7: It's actually the saliva mm-hmm. of the bird, like sticking together all the twigs to make the nest.
0: I think that they may not even have twigs in the nest. I think it's Sometime, just... time,
7: just saliva. Just saliva. But, but they do. They, mm-hmm. they take out all the twigs and stuff.
0: They clean it up good Right. For you. So basically, what happens is it's the swiftlet, which is mm-hmm. a, a bird that grows. I guess it, it lives in caves. Mm-hmm. Um, some, mm-hmm. um, sometimes by the ocean.
7: It's ocean? it's it's by the ocean, right? By the ocean. So when we went to Philippines, it's the El Nido Island. There was one of the itinerary on a schedule was taking us on a boat ride, and they came to these rock caves and on the cliffs. Mm-hmm. So the person has to climb up the cliff. Oh high enough goodness. to get these nests.
0: Because the birds know that humans are <laughs> that humans are mm-hmm. trying to get their nests. Mm-hmm. And so then they actually sometimes have to use like bamboo scaffolding to get up high enough. Mm. And they use a special like three-pronged. Tool to like right. scrape the nest or, off the wall or
7: you know in our case they use little knives
0: mm. mm-hmm. and I guess that the um, the saliva the, the bird's saliva mm-hmm. is very strong it's very hard
7: it's kind of like spider web oh, the my strong God. one the soup the spider the spider-man spider web
8: okay Ooh. yeah.
0: So it's a very expensive delicacy used in Chinese cuisine for four, more than four hundred years, mm-hmm. and in fact, it's one of the most expensive animal products eaten by humans. Mm-hmm. So how much does it cost? It costs cost about three thousand U.S. dollars per pound. That's about six thousand six hundred dollars per kilo. Right. Mm.
7: So between thirty U.S. dollar to one hundred dollar per bowl.
0: Oh wow! Right? Wow! 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 That's well, why I've never had it. <laughs> really? Well, it's
7: about it because I think we had. I had like thirty packs,
0: packs,
8: mm-hmm. small
7: ones mm-hmm. that that was made for prepared from a restaurant that my friend delivered to me when I got pregnant with my kids. Right? Mm-hmm. It cost about about fifty thousand NT. Fifty
0: thousand NT. When? For that's like. That's like... T- 30 pack. Nearly 2000 U.S. dollars yeah. for 30 servings. Uh-huh. And so what do you do? Do you make it into a soup?
7: They made it with... They just boiled it with um, bing tang, which is like, sh- uh, like sugar rock, rocks. Rock sugar, Rock sugar, yeah. sugar and then... That's basically it.
0: So it's a sweet soup with this sweet a s- soup
7: and they package it and you're supposed to put it in the freezer, so every day you just come out and defrost it and have one.
0: Is it good for when you've just had a baby? Uh huh. What's the what's the it's thing about? It's supposed to
7: be like, you know, when you're pregnant after three months you could start eating it. Uh huh. Like your third trimester. And then it I think it helps with the lung respiratory system mm-hmm. and also good skin.
0: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So it's got it's got medicinal properties. Definitely in Chinese medicine. It's uh,
7: well according to the Chinese medicine, right?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much the global industry is worth? It's worth five billion U.S. Wow. dollars. Wow! So the in, this is a in, this is interesting. The the biggest exporter is Indonesia. So they make more bird's nests there than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that they also make them. They farm them too. So they have. Um, they actually raise the birds in some places. Mm-hmm. The United States and Hong Kong are the biggest importers. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we know? How are they used in cuisine other than sweet soup? Do we know anything? Only, only really used as really used as a sweet soup.
7: Also, they sometimes boil it in uh, chicken soup.
0: Oh, they add it to chicken mm-hmm. soup. Okay, and then finally down at the bottom here, you can see it says the nutrition. It has high levels of cal- levels of calcium. Iron, potassium, and magnesium.
7: Right, and there's also one type of these bird, as it has like blood in there. Oh no! So the saliva—it's called 血燕.
0: So it's red. It's no, the red it color. it just have
7: like you know speckles of red.
0: That one's more expensive too, right? right? It's,
7: it's on shiyan because the the type of the swiftlet. Basically, when they uh, put out the saliva, blood comes out along with it.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah. so rarer and I guess very more, rare, more uh, nutritious. It's more more iron, iron. <laughs> right? <laughs> so my question for you, Ellen, too, is: What does it taste? What does it taste like? Does it have a flavor?
7: Gelatinous.
0: It's just a texture. It's more right. Of a so mouth feel. if you
7: have like bymou mm-hmm. or you know fungus, mm-hmm. basically, if you boil it enough. You can get into that texture, too.
0: I see. I see. Right.
7: So, you know, a lot of the wedding banquet, if you're, you know, not able to pay such a huge price, like, you know, $30 U.S. for, like, a bowl, Mm -hmm. then basically, you know, you would replace it with the white fungus.
0: Do you remember when we had the, um, Mm for our show, which is the fallopian tubes Uh of a frog? Right. They also serve it in a sweet soup. Mm-hmm. It's also clear and also gelatinous. Does it taste the same?
7: A little bit more different. I think, you know, the, the frog fallopian tube has a little bit more flavor to it.
0: A little bit more flavor, a little bit of a crunch to Right, it,
7: yeah. and for the uh, bird nest, I think it doesn't have that much of a crunch okay. but if you the the white fungus if you don't boil it enough it has a crunch okay. so you have to boil it you know really really soft and the texture chains into the uh, saliva of the swift mm. but the thing is the thing is that if you have these really rare and really clean cleaned up uh, saliva nests you know mm-hmm. they could go really expensive like you know there's a restaurant here called ding shang mm-hmm. where it eats shark fin and bird only
0: oh my goodness okay
7: so one time my friend well she's like the wife of my uh old company boss okay mm-hmm. of my agency and she would you know take us to this place and then she would you know order order this she said that she eats it all the time okay
0: does she have really lovely skin
7: and yeah, she has lovely skin. And the thing was, and the thing was that that day, my husband went with us. And that was the first time we went there because that restaurant's really expensive. Yeah. So, you know, she ordered uh, fish, fish, uh, the, the the fish bone, the yuci. Yeah. You know, the shark fin. Yep. Everyone had a bowl. And then <gasps> oh a bird goodness. nest. Oh. Everyone had a bowl and a stir fried uh, green yeah. vegetable like this big. Yeah. And I think, oh, and also a uh, stir-fried bean sprout, okay, okay. Huang Dou Yeah.
0: Was this a meal?
7: It, it was like a snack, okay, because we <laughs> were going to go to a fashion show, and she said uh, she wanted a snack. Right. And my husband went to get the bill.
0: No, I was going to say you didn't fight for the bill, did you?
7: He was going to, he felt that, you know, we shouldn't be taking advantage of other people, no. you know, it's like we, because normally, as normally she pays for everything, and nobody fights for the bill with her because she's so wealthy, right? He
0: picked the wrong day. So my
7: husband's like, you know, we shouldn't let you know, her think that we are like other people, just taking advantage of them. They're
0: wealthy <laughs> that now. That is a terrible day. So
7: he went to pay. He came back. His face was pale white.
0: How much did it cost? Ellen? How many people were there?
7: Three of us.
0: Just the three of you.
7: Yes. And that's all the stuff that we order. Okay. Fish, finn. Uh, Shark fin, shark fin. Okay, uh-huh. it's just a small bowl.
0: Bird's Each nest. had one
7: bird nest. Each uh-huh. had one bowl because she wanted dessert. Yep. And stir fry green. Yep. Okay, and then uh, stir fry green fried. sprout. Yeah.
0: And how much did it cost?
7: Thirty thousand NT. <gasps> it cost
1: a thousand
7: dollars. Oh my God. Just eating that. And my husband's like, no, oh, man, we're never coming back here again, okay? If she wants snack, it's like, you know, we take her to snack.
0: Yeah, but she, she, if, she, if she's going to eat food like that, she needs to pay for it.
7: But, you know, she didn't know because right. Zach just went over the counter. Was she and surprised. Took the go- she was surprised. She's like, why did you guys pay? You know, no. it's like, it's on me. I took oh, you guys here. No. Never mm-hmm. again. And she's like weekly base, her driver will go to that store and buy a bag full of the saliva, the bird nest and 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 they will freeze it in the freezer. She she have a pack per day.
0: Just a drop in the bucket for her.
7: Right.
0: And she looks like ten years younger than her real age
7: she does <laughs> well maybe she's like naturally you know beautiful skin but she, you know she is beautiful and she has okay. really nice skin
1: but wow. the
7: thing is that that's how much it costs that's man. incredible a leg and an arm for a normal person
0: seriously oh my goodness it's like
7: a monthly paycheck
0: yeah i well i will never feature those foods in our show no. Um, not just because of the price, but also because it's—they're both pretty bad for the animals. I
7: know. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so we'll we'll do some because uh, it's Vegetarian Month. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a, a vegan alternative. All right. First, a song though. Uh, what is this song called, Drew? This is, is
7: called, called Yan Wu.
0: Bao mm-hmm. So it's uh, Bird's Nest Castle. And, by, and it's by
7: Jenny Wong
0: and Jarek Chen. All right. Back and mo, and the feast mm-hmm. continues.
8: change
0: Listening to Feast Meets West. Second
7: course.
0: Okay, we're back on the second course of today's Feast Meets West, and we have a vegan alternative to bird's nest soup. Mm-hmm. And this is made from black wood ear fungus, hay moor uh, mm. loom. Yeah, so go ahead and have a sip and have a sip of that drink there, Ellen Chu.
7: Okay. I Just love Just to
0: describe you. it, it is a very thick uh, tonic, brownish. Mm-hmm. Has little bits of um, the fungus kind of floating in the thick liquid. So what? it's not exactly opaque, but it's, yeah, it's translucent.
7: It's, it's brownish, I think. It is brownish. It has brownish. that golden brown. Mm-hmm mm,
0: very thick and it has little bits of um
7: you know what it tastes like mushroom Shezo it.
0: yes, it tastes like herbal jelly, mm-hmm. that's exactly right, has the same similar sweetness to it, but not and as texture. much, not as kind of like minty mm-hmm. I think or Chinese medicine-y.
7: but it has more of the fungus taste
0: mm I think the texture is um. It's interesting. I think this is hard for a lot of non-Taiwanese people to appreciate, especially like Westerners, Mm -hmm. because it's quite um, um, mucus-like.
7: Saliva-like, okay?
0: I think that's the word, Ellen Chu.
7: Saliva-like.
0: And it's just a little bit sweet, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is supposed to be really good for you. It's Mm -hmm. low in calories, rich in amino acids, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. Most notably, 100, kilo, kilo, 100 grams of it, not 100 kilograms, 100 grams of it contains 90% of the daily recommended intake of iron, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will make it uh, into a th- sweet, thick soup that can be drunk as a tonic or dessert to mm-hmm. get the benefits. And uh, modern research says it's possible um, that it has anti-tumor hypoglycemic anticoagulant and cholesterol lowing lowering properties
7: that's a lot of properties it's
0: a lot of properties Mm. for these for Mm. one little tonic all right so in our third course we're going to have a little quiz on this are you ready for the wood ear fungus quiz ellen
7: Come on, kick it.
0: Bring it on.
7: Mm-hmm. Bring bring it on.
0: <laughs> Alright, but first another song, and this song is mm-hmm. called Erdo or Do or, or Ears by Li Rong Hao. And the reason why it's called Ears is because this fungus, it looks like ears. Woodier fungus. Whoa. Back in a moment with our woodier Fungus quiz.
1: 竖起耳朵最爱的老哥 Jeez. Third course.
0: And finally, today it's time to test our knowledge of wood ear fungus. Mm-hmm. You ready, Ellen Chu? Let me have
7: let me have a sip of my coffee to clear my head.
0: Uh, clear your mouth. Mm. <laughs> Okay, these are all... Tr- I'm all ready now. True or false questions. We have 10 of them. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, we're ready to go. So, the first question is, as you know, the wood ear fungus is wrinkled and cupped like an ear. True or false, it can grow up to 40 centimeters in length. True. It doesn't grow that big. <laughs> Sorry. Really? It only is usually about 3 to 8 centimeters and uh, maximum 12 centimeters. Mm. Okay. So, although wood ear fungus is usually found in Asian markets, there are records from the 19th century of its use in the West to treat sore throats and jaundice. True. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Nicely done, Ellen. In, In Chinese medicine, it's also used to treat colds and fever because it reduces the heat in the body.
7: Wait, does it reduce? I think so.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. You're doing well. Number four, in modern day modern day Ghana, it is used as a blood tonic.
7: False. True. That
0: is true, yes. Mm. Alright, number five, the Latin name auricularia, auricula judea is Latin for Judas's ear. It was mistranslated into English as Jew's ear and is still sometimes called that today. True or false? True or false? True. That is correct. Mhm. All right, number 6. The story behind the Latin name is that it's named for Judas Iscariot, the man who betrayed Jesus. It got the name because the fungus often grows on elder trees. Elder trees, and Judas was said to have hung himself from that type of tree after his betrayal of Jesus. Folklore says the fungus is his returning spirit, true or false? True. That is true. That's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Kind of gruesome. All right, number seven. Wood ear fungus only grows on living trees. True or false?
7: True. False.
0: It grows on both living and And,
7: oh yeah, dead dead. logs too. Right.
0: You could have gotten that. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Number eight. Wood ear fungus can be found at the market, both fresh and dried. True or false? When they dry it, it loses about 90% of its weight.
7: When they dry it?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Loses 90% of its weight. True. That is correct. Mm -hmm. All right, number nine. To reconstitute the dried version, in other words, to bring it back, Mm -hmm. you need to soak it in cold water for more than 24 hours before you cook it.
7: I know you have to soak it, yes.
0: But for 24 hours?
7: Because my mom always told me to do it, like, overnight. Uh-huh. So, yes. Uh, wrong.
0: You don't have to do it for over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. It's only about four to eight hours in cold yeah. water.
7: Because it has to be so long enough.
0: Mm, but. but you can't do it for overnight. So we'll give you that.
7: Oh, yeah.
0: Aw. All right.
7: Not wrong, right? <laughs> it's not wrong, right?
0: It's <laughs> not wrong. All right. Final question. This is an easy one. Okay. Ten. In Chinese cuisine, one of the most popular dishes that uses hei mu'er, or uh, the black wood ear fungus, is hot and sour soup. True. That is correct. Nicely done, LGBT. The most
7: easy one is actually the
0: ang. So you can chop it up into slices?
7: No, just the whole thing and then the
0: the whole thing. Yeah, you and never then you had do it. A cold salad out of yeah. it. Yeah. What do you put in with it? Other. Uh, uh, chopped
7: uh, garlic mm-hmm. and also soy sauce.
0: I've had it, but I've had and it sliced, bigger. long no, strips of I it. No, I have.
7: I have it like in in forms.
0: Oh, the whole mm-hmm. chunk. The whole that's, chunk. That's a big mouthful. No, it's like
7: this. This big. The mm. small the one. Teeny,
0: the ones. teeny tiny ones. The teeny tiny ones. The cute little ears. Uh
7: huh. Mm. And they look like little ears.
0: Vegetarian ears. Yes. <laughs> 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 when they call it ears, that clover
7: makes me, ears makes
0: me a little uncomfortable i have to be really? honest yeah
7: okay little the, cat
0: ears the big fat ones look like pig ears they do they do like pinkish purplish they do yeah. that's
7: why i like the tiny ones
0: mm, they're cute yeah cuties little mm-hmm. cuties all right so that's our show on wood ear fungus yes black wood ear fungus mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun little uh, ingredient we'll I have to make something with think it so yeah I quite I think, like
7: it. Yeah, you could, you could eat it like, you know, just cold as a salad. I think it's very healthy. Mm. And they did have some studies saying that, you know, if you eat a certain amount, actually you can be anti-cancer.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. They found anti-tumor properties mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, of course you should always consult your doctor. Definitely. So, our address is Ellen Ellen Chu.
7: Our addresses, of course, P.O. Boss 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw.
0: Next Saturday in the Feast, join us for a look at the meatiest vegetarian food that we've ever sampled on our show. You're going to be surprised mm-hmm. mm, So meaty that it'll even bleed mm. Before we go today One final one Final finals song Also ear related mm-hmm. It's called Left Ear 左耳, mm. And it's by Li Honghua
7: Okay. Am I saying that right? I
0: think so. The
7: Honghua, yes, okay. definitely.
0: For PC Ryan,
7: and this is Ellen Chu, and we're giving you our right ear.
0: That's right. Okay. See you next week. Bye. Bye
8: bye 你的生命忘了名字 忘了那一日, <音>我變成回憶的片段琴琴走 change the
0: 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you.